she got realized see we're really deep in in darkness man has reached perhaps the lowest state of degradation and these people are, are not what you would think of as criminal types i mean they don't seem to be very angry people i suffered so bad i was really struggling to survive say you don't even edit it now i did yesterday i mixed it it's not on there okay the unabomber <laughs> <laughs> that's what we're talking about yeah okay do you know about it yeah i know that a little bit about him i know that he was um a university student at um Somewhere in like fucking Montana or something, or North Dakota, some northern place where like you have to be depressed to live. Harvard. Mm-mm. No, he moved. He he went to a different school, I think. No, he, no, he went to Harvard. I just did a whole. Really? Yes. Oh well, shit. Okay. <laughs> I believe. You. I said Harvard, and he goes, "No." Well, no. Well, I thought that I didn't. I thought that he like moved to a different school at some point. I yeah. Don't know where he went for graduate we'll school, but we'll get into it. Okay. Cool. I also, <laughs> for everyone to know, I'm hearing this for the first time with fresh ears because all I did was research the psychology so I could hear it from Lindsay's point of view. <laughs> Except I've definitely gotten drunk and talked about this many times. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you've really gone in detail. <laughs> Not with you. I did with s- someone who I won't name. <laughs> Before you get really into it, one thing that's like really funny about the Unabomber to me is like that for a few years... Before I like watched a doc, I didn't watch a documentary. Someone told me about a documentary. I thought the Unabomber was the um the underwear bomber, the guy that I guess I, I I thought that he like bombed a plane in his underwear or something. I don't know if that was like a different story. I don't know why. I've never heard of that. I've also I can, never heard. Of I that. guess I can see how you got that. I was yeah. I thought that for a really long time, and then someone told me it was because he bombed universities. It was a Texas university. Maybe that's where I'm getting the. I thought that a Unabomb was a type of bomb, and that's why that was his name. But I that's really, not true. I really thought the Unabomber was a type of jacket for a long time. <laughs> that's pretty... It's just... There is a type of jacket called a bomber That's jacket. why I thought I'm, that. I'm really oh, okay. interested in the story because I know that he was like a genius. Like, right? Yeah. Cool. We've got Jarrett here, obviously. <laughs> I don't know if we ever even introduced him on this episode yet. He's on the last episode <coughs> that's named Jarrett and I Feud, but... <sighs> Jarrett's our official guest this time, though. Yeah. It's like, we'll hopefully be, you know, providing... Input, input. and reactions. It's <laughs> <laughs> bigger reaction video. Jared reacts to the Unabomber. (laughs) (laughs) Kids react. That's why we should call the episode Jarrett reacts to the Unabomber. Write that down. Write that down. (laughs) I'm going to throw my pen at you. Nice pen. Summer Series Episode 4. Yep. Exciting. Yeah. I'm really excited. So I'm going to talk about the background i don't really have like a extensive conspiracy theory about this one so it's all kind of intertwined with everything so i'm just going to talk and then you have some a little bit that you're going to talk about and jared's going to react <laughs> maybe we'll record my facial expression with, with what? what a microphone <laughs> yeah <laughs> we'll use um We'll tell the audience to use their um, echolocation. I'm going to do a time lapse of Jarrett on this podcast. No. Is that like <laughs> the meme about me now? Yeah. I figured it was. I time lapsed myself today grinding metal and drilling holes, but it wasn't very lo- good. Uh, uh, well, I'm going to do it again tomorrow. I this bet it looked a lot cooler than the slow video. Like, 
Oh, the, you mean the regular pace? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Time-lapsing anything makes it look cooler, no matter what it is. Jared yeah. time-lapses everything he does. Everything. Makes it look more interesting. You can time-lapse everyday activities, and then people know what you're doing. Vlogger. It's going it's, 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 to have a vlog channel. It's going to replace He's Julian vlogs. Salamita. I don't know who that is. Jenna Marples. Oh, thing. okay. I don't. I don't follow the things she follows. I just know his name is Julian. I didn't know his last name. Let's go on. <laughs> Nobody knew how to respond. If you guys stay silent for that long, I'm going to say something really awkward, and you're going to have to edit it out. We normally don't have awkward silences, I think, unless we're like transitioning from something. Or when I make a bad joke. That's happened a couple times. Well, I'm trying to. I'm kind of reflecting on the amount of awkward silences that happen in y'all's everyday conversation, and kind of extrapolating on that. Sometimes I ha- really have to think about what I'm going to say. I do too. Yeah. And sometimes I absolutely don't think about what I'm going to say, yeah. and that's a problem. Sometimes I, yeah, me too. Yeah, I, there's so many times recently where I've like said something and been like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> All right. Anyway, tell me about. Okay. I forget his name. Theodore Kaczynski. Oh, yep. There it is. Cool. Yeah. I'm going to ta- call him Ted for most of this because yeah. I also talk about his other family so that we don't get confused by name. last names. Okay. Okay. So Theodore John Kaczynski was born May 22nd, 1942 in Chicago, and he has one younger brother, David. And when Ted was very young, he had a case of severe hives that forced him into hospital isolation. Not even sure what word I was about to say. Isolation. So. You tried to mix hospitalization. I think I did. (laughs) So his parents say that this is when they noticed a change in him because he was really not socially adjusted anymore because of the hospital. And... Once he got into elementary school, though, his teachers described him as extremely smart and well-adjusted. So he had recovered. And then in fifth grade, he tested 167 IQ. And so he got to skip sixth grade, but he wasn't really able to fit in with the older children and he was bullied. So Ted, David, and other family members described their parents as really great people who sacrificed everything for their kids. So he had a pretty stable home family life. So in 1958, Ted went to Harvard on scholarship at the age of 16. So when he was in, I uh, like sophomore year of high school, he just got to leave and just went to college. So during his sophomore year of Harvard, he participated in a psychological study. And the participants wrote essays detailing their personal desires and aspirations and things like that. And the contents of these essays were used as, quote, ammunition. Uh, And images played on screens or audio was played pertaining to uh, whatever their desires and aspirations were. So, like, maybe the opposite of that or something. And so that played while the subject had electrodes connected to their, like, head and pulse and everything and so the reaction their reaction to that was filmed and it would be played for them later on really loud and on like a loop so they had to watch themselves go into these rage fits that they had from the initial thing so were you gonna say something no i was just cringing a little bit yeah that's scary so the subjects received weekly, like, I mean, this is basically abuse. So they received this weekly abuse, and Ted had over 200 hours logged as part of this. So a lot of people speculate that this was part of the CIA initiative, MKUltra, uh, and it's never been officially, officially linked to MK Ultra, but there's a lot of situations like this happening in universities, and they think that it was MK Ultra, which is a real thing. I I had to explain that to my mom the other day. She was saying that I just keep. She said Lindsay will believe anything that she reads on the internet. And I was like, this is 
literally real. It is real. <laughs> and then it I sound like sound a sound real though. I know, and then I sound like a crazy person like, trying to defend that it's I real. I tried to explain to my dad how the government made crack cocaine one time, and he like wouldn't believe me. Yeah, they don't. Old people don't believe it. Well, some old people. And it's do. like r- funny how many conspiracy theories about John F. Kennedy they'll like believe, but not anything to do with like yeah. declassified information. Yeah. Or like my dad doesn't believe in the moon landing, but he won't believe me when I talk about MK Ultra. Anyway, <laughs> so fucking made up. A lot of people think that this whole I'm gonna call it MK Ultra because that's what I think it was. A lot of people think that this experience that he had was what drove him to not necessarily commit the crimes, but it kind of was like almost a breaking point because he was so smart and so isolated from like having you know regular relationships with people because he was just so intelligent that he couldn't talk to regular people so a lot of people think this was like kind of where he sort of snapped not 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 full snap but just like you know when you're breaking a glow stick and you you just do one little break it doesn't fully light up but he's going to light up later. Crystal seed. What? If you like have like a solution that's um like near frozen and the Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I read about it in this book I was reading. This eerily the the main character is like experience is eerily similar to the Unabomber right now too. A lot of famous people have been part of MK Ultra. Well, like the char- one of the Beatles. The character in the book had, like, the electrode thing happen, mm-hmm. and he went to college at 14. So it's, like, really weird. Yeah, they were able to target. Well, not target, but, I mean, they chose these people specifically who they wanted to be a part of it. So, anyway, 1967, he eventually graduated Harvard, and then he tried to go, he went to under or uh what do you call it grad school yeah and um so anyway after he graduated grad school and then in 1967 he became an assistant professor at berkeley and then he eventually left in 1969 because his students didn't like him because he was like rude and so then he lived with his parents until 1971 when he moved to a remote cabin outside of lincoln montana so he wanted to be self-sufficient and he taught himself survival skills and how to hunt. And he would also ride his bike to volunteer at the local library. So in 1975, there was a real estate development in the town in Lincoln and he lived in the woods. So obviously he was like not okay with this happening. So Ted started committing acts of sabotage. So he basically just like steals stuff or move stuff. Not really, like, anything major. Just moving people's hammers. Pissing yeah. them. Fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah. I understand. Me too. That's, that's some destructive behavior. <laughs> moving hammers. So, now let's chat about the crimes. So, on May 25th, 1978, a bomb was given to Buckley Christ, a professor at Northwestern University, and the package seemed suspicious because Christ's return address was on the package, but he never sent it. It was found in a parking lot and then hand-delivered to him. So, campus police opened the package, uh, and the police officer who opened the package injured his hand because of the explosion. It wasn't a major explosion, it was... I mean, I guess every explosion is major, but it was... I mean, if it only blew his hand off, you yeah, know, it's a pretty shitty bomb. Well... I mean, I don't really think so. I think a shitty bomb would be one that doesn't go off, but it still was sucked. He, was he it trying to like, kill somebody, bomb. or was he trying to just piss him off? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll tell you. Okay. He was sending a message. Mm. So... Fuck your hand. <laughs> Yeah, he just really didn't want Buckley Chris to have one hand. Understandable. Um, in 1979, a bomb was placed on a plane, which never ended up exploding, but released smoke. So, I don't know how the bomb got on the plane. 
I'm guessing he was probably shipping it long distance and it was put on the plane. Because he also, like, really didn't like the postal service. I don't know why. So, since this was a federal crime, putting the bomb on the plane, the FBI is now involved in this situation. And this is how they gave him the title of Unabomber. So, he would leave, uh, and it's Unabomber because UN is university and then A is airplanes. So, Unabomber. That's where the name comes from. So, he would leave false clues and purposely leave unnecessary parts in the bomb to confuse the FBI. And he signed all of his bombs with the letters FC. So, other victims were John Hauser, Hugh Scrutton, who actually died, Dave Gellinter, and Charles Epstein, and Thomas J. Mosser, who also died. And in 1994, after the Mosser bombing, he mailed a letter to the New York Times. So he sent 16 total bombs, but that's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot to discuss, so I'm just hitting and the major points here. he only killed three people? Yeah. Or I guess he only killed two because the other guy just had his hand in No, he killed three people. Oh, wow. Six, three out of 16. That's, that's not good. Well, he wasn't I mean, I necessarily good, trying to murder yeah, somebody. It was just like a scare tactic, I think. Yeah. So, in 1995, Gilbert Murray was murdered by a bomb sent to his office at the California Forestry Association, and he was the president. So, all the bombs were targeted at people who worked for certain institutes that were, in Ted's opinion, furthering technology in society. Because that was, he was really against technology, because he thought it was ruining people. And so all the people worked in universities or government. Well, they, they, some bombs got mailed to people's houses. So that's how he was able to target government facilities, airplanes, and, uh, did I say, I said universities. Yeah. And the Forestry Association because he was mad about like the, um, uh, people developing forests and stuff. So, September 1995. So, this has gone since 1971, and we're now in 1995. Or, no, that's not 1971, but since the 70s, and we're now in 1995. That's like almost 20 years. Yeah. It was 18 years, I think. Yeah. Fuck. It was less it's than 20. It's still a long goddamn time. It's, yeah. the, it's the longest case the FBI has ever had to work on. <laughs> what a weird... Like, Unless you consider the Zodiac Killer. I'm just imagining a whiteboard. Who the fuck is sending these bombs? It's <laughs> 20 years. Like speaking of that, there is a, they, there's a show called Manhunt Unabomber on Netflix. That's really good. If, it, if there's like 20 years worth of, I bet there's still like a bomb somewhere. Where? I don't know. I mean, things get lost all the time. It could be just like sitting in. What if, what if it was though? That'd be weird. That'd be crazy. Write that down. September 1995, the Washington Post and the New York Post, or New York Times, sorry, both published Industrial Society and Its Future, which was a 35,000 word manifesto on how technology has destabilized society, written by the Unabomber. So, in his manifesto, he used words like we and our and would sign all of his letters, manifesto, and bombs with FC which stood for Freedom Club. So this was like his way of trying to make the FBI think it's like a group of people, like more than one person. Um, because he was hoping also after his manifesto got out that there would be other people like him and that they would revolt, I guess. <laughs> I think Freedom Club is a, missed the opportunity for Fight Club. Fight Club wasn't out when this happened. Well, I guess it was in 1995, but... When he first started sending the letters, it wasn't out. Because he had been sending letters to these people for, Freedom like, Club. months before this happened. That's such a lame name for your organization. Freedom <laughs> Honestly, <Club>. yeah. <laughs> for a terrorist organization? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Should have went with, like, Team Super Cool. Because that's cooler than that. Yeah, know? that would have been good. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
The reason the manifesto was such a big deal during this case is because it helped the FBI develop a new way to read and understand the writing of criminals in order to basically trace back who it is. So because in all of his letters and his manifesto, he used a lot of code also, they were able to develop this thing called linguistic analysis to where they will compare lots of writings and they can determine based on the writing style that, okay, this person who wrote this letter also wrote this letter. Also based off, like, actual handwriting, too. And style of handwriting. Well, I mean, that's like how English teachers can tell if you wrote a paper or someone else did, I think. Yeah. Like, I think after a while, you kind of learn what's what. Mm-hmm. And so, I, that makes sense that they would use that. Yeah. And so that in itself was actually really cool. And the guy who developed it uh, wrote a book about it and everything, which I'll get into a little bit more. But so this was like the case that sort of popularized Mm -hmm. that method um, because it was basically the only evidence in the Mm -hmm. case because he was like so um, careful with the bombs. There was no uh, fingerprints on anything. He managed to not get a single fingerprint. Yeah, you'd think in 18 years he would have had one slip up. I know. Not even on any of the letters either. That's 18 crazy. years of building bombs, you would be surprised that he didn't blow his ass up. Yeah. Especially because when he first, I mean, he never even had an issue when he first started. Well, he was just so smart, I guess. He made his first pipe bomb in chemistry when he was 12. Mm-hmm. You'd think he'd be a little bit better at it then. He'd been doing it for that long when he first started. What do you mean better at it? Well, th- he blew things up. With the three out of 16 people at the very beginning. Yeah, but the intention wasn't to kill people, though. Yeah, that, the, the, it was the, just the intention wasn't off. to kill people. He's still bad at building bombs because he accidentally killed three people. The intention was send a message. If it kills people, that's okay. <laughs> really? That's really what his thought process was. That's a winning mindset in this case. <laughs> so. After the release of the manifesto in the newspapers, David, his brother, uh, hired a personal investigator to keep up with Ted because him and his wife had been talking for, you know, years since the Unabomber became like a well-known thing that they felt like it could be Ted who was responsible. Uh, And they had all these letters that he had that Ted had previously sent to like uh, newspapers and different outlets like that talking basically about the same thing that he's talking about like he would write in his disdain for technology and stuff his own brother got him yeah (laughs) yeah and his brother was like felt so guilty for so long which I can kind of understand because he didn't realize it sooner well one because he didn't realize it sooner he felt guilty because people ended up dying and then he also felt guilty because it was his brother, but he also had a basically a responsibility. Yeah, like a moral obligation. Like yeah. It's your family, but your family's bombing places and killing people. Yeah, because he talked about when he was younger that they were close and that he always looked up to Ted. Mm-hmm. So he had a lot of conflict about it. Uh, and I think also partially he did... he. The reason it took him so long to realize that it actually was his brother, he probably just didn't want to realize that. He was I think. In, probably in denial. I think so, too. So, Clinton Van Zant, who was an FBI profiler, not on this case, but just was a former FBI profiler, he had a team that worked independently, and they analyzed the letters and the manifesto and determined that there was at least a 70% chance that they were written by the same person. So they eventually sent it to James Fitzgerald, who was the profiler who invented the linguistic analysis. And he determined that the both authors were the same. So April 1996 is when CBS broke the news of who the Unabomber was because there was a leak from the FBI, uh, not on purpose. So the FBI also issued a search warrant immediately following this for Ted's cabin. So Ted was arrested on April 3rd, two days after, 
and bomb components, 40,000 handwritten journal pages of plans, and a live bomb ready to be mailed were found in his cabin. And I think the live bomb was placed there on purpose because he knew the police would be coming for him soon. So Ted was in, indicted by a grand jury on 10 counts of illegal transportation, mailing, and usage of bombs, and three counts of murder. So January 1997, Ted tried to commit suicide by hanging. And then in January 1998, Ted was sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. And then in 2006, Judge Burrell, who was the judge during the trial, sold all of his belongings in an auction, uh, not including the cabin. The cabin's in a museum. But sold all of his belongings, which earned $232,000, which they put towards the $15 million, $15 million in restitution for the victims. So, in 2012, after being sent the directory inquiry for Harvard Alumni Association, where they would, like, say what they're doing and what kind of accomplishments they've had. He wrote his occupation as prisoner and his eight life sentences as awards. Oh my god. I know. Nice. So, Unabom was the longest and most expensive FBI case in history. So, the first conspiracy theory is that he's part of MKUltra, which there's not a whole lot of detail to go into about that because MKUltra was like the CIA initiative to learn how to use mind control techniques for the military. Yeah, I mean, that's sounds right. Yeah. The electrode thing. I mean, why the fuck else would you need to do that to someone? Right. So that's the first conspiracy theory. I don't really think it's a conspiracy theory, though. I think it's real. It's pretty factual. I think so. I mean, it is. The numbers are there. It actually is factual if you compare everything. But the second one, which is exciting, um, I wrote in all caps, Ted Kaczynski was the Zodiac Killer, three question marks. (laughs) So. This is just because Ted Cruz. Have the same first name. No, it was no. It was thought before. Really? They this has been a theory since yeah. before really? the Unabomber was I caught. I thought you were making like a meme no, out of this. No. When My Favorite Murder did one, they were talking about how that's been a theory for years. years. There's a book written in 1986 about this theory. Yeah, they brought that up on the Zodiac Killer episode. They didn't even, they haven't done a Unabomber episode, so they brought that up. Like, it's not... That's been around for a while. Yeah. So, Ted Kaczynski lived in the San Francisco Bay Area from 1967 to 1969, which is the same time most of the Zodiac Killer California killings occurred, and in the same area. So, the Zodiac Killer and the Unabomber both had a strong interest in bombs and codes, and both wrote letters to news publications demanding their manifestos be published. Because that's what... The Zodiac Killer wrote a manifesto in code and sent it to the Washington Post and demanded that it be published or he was going to kill somebody. And he continually wrote letters uh, demanding that, if you don't publish this, I'm going to kill somebody. I didn't know the Zodiac Killer killed people with bombs. No, he didn't. Oh. But he had he had made bombs before they believe, based on their code. But also, he also, Ted Kaczynski fantasized about killing people, not just with bombs. Like, he actually fantasized about just murdering people, which is why it's believable that he's a Zodiac killer. Hmm. So, after Kaczynski left his job in Berkeley, this was very shortly after the Zodiac killings at Berkeley. And after the Zodiac disappeared is when the Unabomber bombing started. So, it wasn't really possible to verify Kaczynski's whereabouts during basically any of the other Zodiac murders because he was off the the grid. grid. Uh, But also, with the Zodiac being a knife and gun killer, it strongly differs from the Unabomber's bombings. And they also had different M.O.s. 
And ultimately, Kaczynski's fingerprints did not match the prints that they believe were the Zodiac killers. So, this theory has been debunked, but I wanted to put it out there. So. The Zodiac killer, like, is like an unsolved case, right? Yeah. Yeah. They think that they caught the guy, but then he died. He had, like, a heart attack or a stroke or something. Motherfucker. Really? Uh, yeah. Son of a bitch. And that that case went on for a long time, too. Like, at least 10 years. Um, But that's all I have for him. There's so much that I left out because there's so much information about it. We'll do a part two at some point, maybe. I think. Well, all the other information is basically just... Theories? No, not theories, but just like... Information. Uh, yeah, just information that I didn't ne- necessarily feel was absolutely necessary yeah. for this. But we could do another episode about this because I have a lot I have a lot in my own mind to say. So for the psychology behind the Unabomber, it's not really... I do have some of my normal, like, this is what he had, but I've also got background that's more than just that mm-hmm. that Lindsay didn't really go into. So, just as a general rule, many psychology professors are almost, not required, but they like to expose unethical research because that goes against basically everything that they've learned. But there was one that went undetective, and his name was Henry Murray. Unethical research by Henry Murray, who was Ted Kaczynski's professor at Harvard. Or not really, I don't know if he was his professor because he was a math student. But he's the one who conducted the research that Ted was a part of. And they believe that that's what motivated the terrorism according to Manhunt. Mm-hmm. He was a renowned professor, even receiving a couple awards from the APA. And here you go. U.S. intelligence services hired Henry Murray to come up with an effective procedure for breaking Cold War Soviet spies. Shit. Boom. Booyah. And he deceives students into thinking that their participation would get them a scholarship. So basically... Oh, that's fucked up. That's ruined, how he got the smart young kids. Because yeah, they were all like these freshmen. students' lives... I'd do that shit for a scholarship. To, well... Not knowingly, but... Well, okay, I have more on that, too. There were also... Because you said that he, he got these young, new students... And personality tests were used to find the most emotionally vulnerable students, and then he undermined their egos. Yeah, because I read that how he found the students was that everybody in the university took this, like, little survey. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I mean, uh, I don't know if they pi- I don't know if it was everybody, but the class that Ted was in mm-hmm. had to take the survey. And so, based on the answers of the surveys, how they picked yeah. the people. Yeah, and so he found the ones that were the most mentally, not unstable, but... Interesting, maybe? Yeah, and they were very, like it, like I said, emotionally vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And, which I think comes from the reason Ted was picked was because he had been bullied a lot. He was different from the rest of his classmates. He was 16. Yeah. Like, of course he's going to be emotionally vulnerable. Oh, yeah, I keep forgetting about that. Yeah. And so what they did is he made the he made the students participate in the essays, extremely stressful interviews, things such as that, and delved into their past. And the interviews were played back while they were humiliated. They had, like, they had officers or people dressed as officers like yelling at them while they were watching it back too like screaming at them wow ted was one of those subjects and before the experiment he was generally known as a pretty sweet kid you know he was socially awkward when he was younger but once he got back into school he was okay Mm -hmm. and then i guess even through being bullied he was for the most part still a sweet kid 
Yeah. In interviews, they did an interview with some of the high school students that he was with, like, went to high school with him. And they all said that he was never really, nobody ever really felt threatened by him or anything. But he didn't really have a lot of friends because they said that he was so smart. He, all he really talked about was, like, academia. Not really having a regular personality. Yeah. So... After the experiments, he was extremely angry at universities and symbols of basically what they called in this article the Industrial Revolution, which there already is one, but I guess this would be more of like the technological revolution almost. Mm -hmm. And so Kaczynski blamed them for turning people into mindless rule-following automatons. Did I say that right? I, I think guess. so. I'm not. I hope so. <laughs> Who obeyed authority figures like bosses and researchers. And by tolerating abusive research procedures, like this, because I got this off the Psychology Today, some of it. Um, they asked by tolerating abusive research procedures, did Harvard University create a terrorist? Because he really. Yeah, I think he so. He was oh, awkward, yeah. but he wasn't. He wasn't necessarily going to be a murderer. No, I bet they made more than one. It's Harvard, man. And then they also asked, can we blame Harvard for the Unabomber? And it's believed that Harvard, that believing... Okay, I'm going to restart that sentence. (laughs) It's believed that blaming Harvard for the Unabomber is going too far for several different reasons. First off, we know too little about... The prediction of someone's behavior to make a claim, that kind of claim, because he he very well could have been going down that path for another reason. And he also shot, showed signs of early social difficulties that were subsequently attributed to paranoid schizophrenia. Let's be real, man. You, you strap some electrodes no, in somebody's they, head. You gonna fuck him up. He, in his early years, showed signs of paranoid schizophrenia. Yeah, but I mean, they should, they should, I mean, come on. Does it matter if they created the terrorists? Listen listen to the rest of it. I have more. Um, and it was diagnosed with that before he went to Harvard. I'm just reacting. But there's also, okay, well, before you fully react, (laughs) there's also this. Another issue is that Kaczynski complained pretty bitterly about his own lifelong betrayal by family and acquaintances that fit the mold of his experiences with Murray. And they don't really know if the experiments with Murray made all of that so negative in his head or if it was actually some stuff that happened. Right. Because he also tells a story of getting into it with his mom constantly, like constantly tells this this story of him getting into it with his mom, where it seems as if he's alluding to her being kind of abusive, but no one knows for sure. And he, it's also thought that everything could have been exaggerated due to his paranoid tendencies because of the schizophrenia. And in his mind, the Unabomber was a victim of betrayal by everyone that he knew childhood friends a young woman who rejected his romantic advances early in life his parents who sent him to harvard at the age of 16 before he was emotionally mature enough to prosper there other harvard students and lastly his brother who had supported him throughout his life so you know because his brother is the one who yeah. This just, I mean, to me, this all sounds like a bunch of excuses because I mean, they yeah. fucking electrocuted him. Like, I don't give a shit, man. Well, that's, like, that's, that's why he up. blamed these people, but no one. It, I mean, it's they made it Harvard's really, fault, they it made it like. really, really easy for him to blame them. I mean, yeah. yeah. I think another thing, too, is uh, we don't know what might have happened that wasn't ever documented either yeah. in the experiment. Yeah. Um, I mean, definitely. there's a million He's different variables that could have created his terroristic tendencies, but... Well, yeah, but the the thing is, like, 
I'm just that's shocked. No, I know. I'm I'm agreeing with you. Like it's definitely excuses. I mean, we don't really know what happened in his early life, but up until this point, he was described as a good-natured kid. Yeah. So, it's obviously, even if the electric shock or whatever they did that's not documented just made his schizophrenia that much worse. I mean... Another thing I was going to say, too, was that when he was uh, 12 or 14, before he went to Harvard... And after he had gotten diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia, his mom noticed that he was really, you know, not socially aware, I guess. So she tried to enroll him in a different school, and he was there briefly. It was a school for, it was called for mental retardation, is what the school was called. But Mm. then they found out that the guy who was the headmaster or whatever was actually abusing the students so they speculate that he could have possibly been part of that yeah but he never talks about it and his parents never talk about it so they don't really know what happened there also i mean that part could have been fried out of his brain basically yeah because i mean i know that you lose memories when you well get shock therapy when you got shock therapy back in the day it was used to create a new personality, per se. Because if you had, like, crazy schizophrenia, yeah. you were so manic that they put you in a subdued state by, like, shocking the fuck out of your brain. So, like, yeah. you basically develop a new personality. And then, like, after that, what do you do? I mean, you're constantly probably looking for a reason to stay away from what you had been before so you don't get fucking shocked again. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm sure that he was a completely different person at that point especially if it had happened over 200 times it was a, he was a part of the ex- he was a part of the experiment for 3 years yeah didn't you say it was speculated like 200 times or something like that 200, 200 hours 200 hours, 200 hours of, but just that tape. could have been yeah also getting yelled tape. at and shit so yeah it was a very abusive process and i just feel like harvard's always trying to get out of some shit yeah maybe I don't know. This is the only thing that I've really heard about Harvard. Yeah, let's not bash Harvard just in case they want to be a sponsor or something. Yeah. You know, get that <laughs> Harvard money. Just in case money. some Ivy League <laughs> college wants to sponsor. Just kidding. <laughs> um, I mean, it's kind of evident at this point, but Murray's research was just a watered-down version of the terrible biomedical experiments that was done in concentration camps to their inmates by Josef Mengele. I don't know if you've listened to anything about him. Oh, yeah. He was a dude that used to sew fucking twins together and yeah. shit. No, yeah, I know about inject, him. Yeah, he injected dye into their eyes. He was the he one. Would, he would. Like yeah, he people. was like obsessed with twins. Yeah. And so that's why he went into the concentration camps because he was like, oh, these people oh, don't I matter do basically a in whole his. whole episode on Yosef Mangala. We I learned about him in like in a college class in history and i was like how have i never heard about this person i wrote a before? paper on him in high school because we watch we watched fucking schindler's list in high school we watched schindler's list in high and school I was also like, there's oh fucking God. whole ass dicks in this movie we could do a whole episode on yosef mangala i think we I, should like, because marissa also suggested doing doctors who hurt harm their patients on purpose i don't think that that really falls under a i mean he's a doctor but i don't more of a mad scientist. Yeah. That's that's really what <laughs> he was. Anti-Albert Einstein. I know, but it just made me think of the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde song from Arthur. <laughs> oh, my I God. I haven't thought about Arthur in, like, eight years. Only eight? You're 22. I could have thought about Arthur when I was fucking 14. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> okay. Well, M- Murray's participants signed consent forms... But they weren't informed of the true purpose of the research, much less the goal that Murray had of shattering everyone's ego and their whole personality, basically. And most of the subjects were never able to conduct a a normal work life or school life ever again. And although participants were free to leave whenever they wished, 
Murray rendered that unlikely through a deliberate grooming process where they le- they were led to believe that their participation had an, an important scientific objective. And participants were paid, and Kaczynski likely stayed on because he needed the money. Murray intentionally lied about the length of the study, stating that the commitment was only for a year, but then coerced them with, well, you'll get this much money if you stay in the program for another year. So here is a full list of his mental illnesses. And to begin that, here's a quote from Kaczynski where he talked to psychiatrist Dr. Sally Johnson. He said, by the time I left high school, I was definitely regarded as a freak by a large segment of the student body. Just to show, give an example of how bad at least the paranoid schizophrenia was. Paranoid schizophrenia is defined as a chronic mental disorder in which a person is withdrawn from reality. There's auditory hallucinations like hearing voices or sound effects and paranoid delusions, which is believing everyone is out to cause the sufferer harm, which I think is part of what what perpetuated the I blame all of these people and these government mm-hmm. facilities and these universities for what's wrong with me and what I'm doing. And his psychiatric profile showed that he struggled with gender identity as well. In There was a significant mental shift that took place in graduate school. This came straight from Kaczynski. This is in his psychiatric evaluation when he was in prison. Mm. where he said that during a period this was during a period where when he considered having a sex change operation during grad school he said that he recalled setting up an appointment at the university of michigan's health center after weeks of fantasizing about becoming a woman and by the time of his consultation he lost his nerve and lied to the psychiatrist leaving basically feeling a lot of shame he developed a violent hatred for the psychiatrist, which is also from Kaczynski. And when this is when he realized that he could kill someone, which he, when he realized that, because the, when he scheduled the appointment, that was before he realized that he might have been trans. Mm-hmm. When he realized that that was a thing that was possible, he said that he wasn't necessarily mad at the psychiatrist anymore, but that's when it connected in his brain. I have the power to murder someone, and I kind of want to. And he attributed his lifelong inability to establish deep friendships, particularly with women, to extreme psychological verbal abuse by his parents while he was growing up. Because the incident with his mom that he blames for a lot of stuff and constantly brings up when he's asked about it. He threw a sock in the wrong hamper, and apparently his mom, like, verbally abused him pretty badly. But I don't think his brother has ever said anything like that. And that's really the only instance that he will quote and use as an example for the verbal abuse. I think that he's probably exaggerating. Like, he had probably done something... That made his mom mad, and then that was the just the thing was the last straw because yeah. that shit happens with my mom. She's yeah, it happens with mom, every parent. Yeah, I think so too. Because my parents are also then, wonderful parents, and I'd do dumb shit. Yeah. For a whole week, and then I'd finally do something on like Saturday, <laughs> that just last my mom straw. was just like, "I swear to God, go to your room." She never actually said "I swear to God" at me, but you could see it in her face. Yeah, I think. So, because from, like, uh, his brother David didn't really do a whole lot of stuff, yeah. but he really made it seem like their parents and family was yeah, he, normal-ish. David seems like he's a fairly he, well-adjusted adult, so. Yeah, he was married, and, yeah. you know. If he's quoting the same instance over and over again, it's, like, really strange. It's an excuse. Yeah, I mean, either it's some defensive excuse, or it's, like... I wonder Something if really weird happened, or it's, like, the only thing that he can, like, remember. Yeah. Because he also did get, you know, 
the buzzer a few times, so yeah. he's probably a that's little... That's what I was thinking. And then potentially sexually assaulted. I mean, maybe that's why what he I mean, says is the psychological abuse. Maybe and he that thinks his parents knew about this headmaster. If, if yeah. it took his brother a long time to, like, confront him about being a mass murderer, like, how quick would his brother be to throw his parents under the bus for creating a monster that killed people? Right. Right? I mean, think about the implication of, um, like, him saying that his mom and dad did do that shit. What are yeah. people going to do to well, his parents? And also <laughs> his parents were alive when that happened. Yeah, yeah. And so, so, like, they wouldn't be saying... Yeah, they would have. They would have. They would have been shat on by the news. Well, I'm sh- I'm sure his parents have passed by now since yeah. he was born in 1946. So you'd think that since it's been this long and his parents have passed away since that his brother might have said something by now. Yeah, no. and his brother did write a book talking about them growing up together. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think it talks about the parents a lot i think it talks about yeah, their relationship more all of the articles that i read said that it was a good family for the most part i mean they yeah. had their normal spats but yeah, yeah but i think it was a situation where in his mind he thought that every time he got in trouble was that's abuse. the part of the paranoid schizophrenia yeah. thinking that yeah, everyone the more is that out I'm to thinking get you about it though the more that i'm thinking something Something weird was probably happening at home. I mean, I think it's it's probably, probably a combination. This, the paranoid schizophrenia yeah. because there wasn't a well-developed medicine at that time period either. Yeah. So it was probably a normal spat would happen, and I'm sure that for the most part his parents tried to hold it in since he had paranoid schizophrenia. But, I mean. He probably, every time they would get mad at him and actually verbalize it, he probably, his brain processed it as worse than it actually was. Which, I I mean, I'm not saying something weird wasn't happening, but it's... Yeah. I don't think there's a way of, like, actually knowing. I mean, behind closed doors, there's there's no way. No. Because I don't trust him to tell the truth, and I also don't trust his brother to tell the truth. Yeah. So unless someone actually saw something at one point... No one will ever know. I th- what I was going to say is that uh, it seems like he's got a lot of the signs of having been sexually assaulted, mm-hmm. inability to connect with women, and gender identity issues, Yeah, and f- fits of rage that were sort of uncalled for. So, I don't think it's impossible that yeah. that happened. Uh, that not necessarily at home, but maybe yeah. at the school. I was trying to pull that up about uh, what I was talking about earlier about the school. But um, that paired with his other mental illnesses doesn't yeah. fare well. And, I mean, his, it. they said that his mother also had some mental illness but it was more of just depression, not really anything like he had. And I mean, paranoid schizophrenia comes with a lot of things under that umbrella, like anxiety and depression, and sometimes even... Oh, okay. I, I just made a breakthrough in this. Okay. Okay, so I didn't really look it up earlier because I wasn't even going to talk about it in the thing, but it says here that... The guy, Bruno Bettelheim, who was the head of the school, believed that children could be, it, he dealt with children with behavioral, behavioral and emotional disorders that were not born that way, is what it says. So, he believed that children could be cured through extended psychoanalytic therapy treatment and treatment that used psychotropic drugs and shock therapy fuck i know so who knows what he went through at that school yeah and it doesn't even it was a it was a pretty popular thing at the time to do to to crazy people though yeah but to have now i'm like okay because it said that his mother decided against it after observing bettelheim's 
abrupt and cold manner, but he still went to the school anyway. So, like, what if his mom was like, I'm going to shock therapy my kid so that he forgets this abuse that he's been through? Maybe. She mm. might have. Did she go to That's this? That's kind of a stretch, but. Did she go to, did she know that that was happening? Or yeah. did, okay. I was going to say maybe she. She didn't know the full extent of well, what happened I, at the school. That's true. It wasn't she a may crazy position that. to have at the time. Like looking back on it, and what I've what I have gathered from reading materials from that time period, and you know, popular culture, popular. it seemed pretty normal to just shock the fuck out of people. And so, I mean, who knows? But what really blows my mind is that people are using this electroshock therapy when it's really not a far cry from the electric chair. Yeah. The electric chair is a full helmet, and electroshock therapy is just, like, little things on your temple. Okay, it's really, you're literally cooking parts of your brain. Yeah, but... That's what changes your personality. The current is, like, not the same. It's not the same, but it's not that far. One can kill you, the other cannot. I am willing to bet that some people have died from electroshock therapy. I'm sure that someone has, but I mean, I doubt it's a crazy amount because. I mean, it's not a crazy amount, but it's enough to change your whole personality. It's, it's like fucked up. That's all injury. we really need to know is that it's fucked up. I mean, know? it is, but it was just popular at that time, which is wild, because I I don't under I don't understand. There's a lot a lot of things I don't understand. But according to this website, uh, ncbi.gov. That's, um, like, all the research papers and stuff. Yeah. But I can't, I don't see here where, this is just the abstract of it, but it's saying that they did a study to see the mortality rate of electroconvulsive therapy and that 16 cases died. Out of how many? Out of, uh, seven... 766,180. Yeah. So that's what I was thinking because the volt, I mean, it's literally something that like calculates like the voltage it's going to send out. So you'd have to be trying to kill someone or there had to be something wrong with the machine itself to kill you. Right? I mean, yeah. Unless there was already like some kind of health yeah, issue. That's, that's a point zero zero like multiple to one. I mean, I just. I'm sure it does Still something. I'm sure it does something. Um. Yeah, that's that's interesting. That's probably a good thing we don't use that as much anymore. Yeah. It's a very good thing, I would argue. That's crazy, though. That's a lot of information to take in. Yeah, it's saying here also the main two side effects of it are confusion and memory loss yeah mm-hmm. so yeah what you're saying earlier about it basically making a new person is well in that book this book i'm reading um by robert m Piercek, he talks about um basically it's 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 loosely based or not loosely it's pretty it's pretty accurately based on his life with some things like changed to protect people but um he, he goes through Spoiler alert, if you read Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. Goes through the therapy because he has, like, a manic episode. And so, instead of, um, like, forgetting everything, he kind of, like, continues to live his life knowing that he had that happen to him. And so, he, like, kind of goes through the rest of his, you know, life. Well, not really the rest of it, but... He constantly is like remembering small fragments of things, and 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 they also said like it doesn't actually work that well for what they wanted it to do. So the thing was like they wanted you to forget everything that you were like thinking about that was making you go insane, you know. And so he was doing this shock therapy, and um, he you know was going like in in the book he's like riding a motorcycle. And remembering small fragments of the things that made him go fucking insane in the first place. Mm -hmm. You know, which is arguable if he was ever insane. But the idea is that it made him forget things, you know. I think it's interesting that it seems to be coming up a lot lately in what I'm reading and what I'm hearing. I wonder if 
maybe the reason that he was like so focused on the scenario with the sock and his mom is maybe he knew that he had been abused by her in other ways, but that was couldn't the only manif- sense he could, could remember. Like a yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Maybe who knows? That's all really crazy. I know. Now I'm like reading this thing, this other Episode. report where they were talking about how electroshock therapy does work. You need to do an episode on electroshock therapy then. <laughs> Aren't we basically doing that now? <laughs> but that was crazy though. How do they argue that it works? I want to know. Oh, I already clicked off of it. I mean, we can talk about it at the house too. Yeah, I was just trying to look up what prison he was in. Um, I think I have him pulled uh, up on my phone. ADX Florence in Florence, Col- Colorado. That's crazy. Right. I don't, h- and he's also not married. If anybody wants to know, that was also an option. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure he actually wasn't bad looking either, which is. In the early years. In the early years, <laughs> yeah. No, now he looks awful. Yeah. Oh, another thing I wanted to mention was that the, uh, you know, like, there's the famous sketch of him. Um, show me. I'll show you. There's, like, the famous sketch where somebody thought that they had seen him. And it was this. Oh, yeah. I have seen that picture yeah. before. That's actually... We'll post it on Instagram. That's you, sorry. That's not him, actually. It was confused with. They determined that this person, the person who's like, was the witness or whatever, that gave the sketch artist this image, was actually remembering the person who worked at. I think it was the post office where she saw oh, this person dang, at. So this isn't even the Unabomber. So, you you remember in Goodwill Hunting the other day, like. They 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 said his name in Goodwill Hunting because th- that's I think that movie's based at Harvard. Goodwill Hunting. Yes. Yeah. Oh, maybe I don't it know. It is. Yeah, well, it, one of those fucking schools, and um, he was like, they were talking about people who were geniuses who went to school at an early age and mm. were like savants, and um, he's like, you know, Ted, I guess Kaczynski is his last name. Mm-hmm. Ted Kaczynski is and they're like no we don't know who that is and he's like unibomber and everybody was like oh shit <laughs> like, he's yeah. right because oh he also had really extensive published mathematical theories that he like invented yeah oh so he's like a part of human history well i mean yeah well, as more uh, he's as more than like an Unibom- academic, yeah. you know, yeah, someone has to do an annotated bibliography and cite the fucking <laughs> Unabomber is what that means. When he released his dissertation, which was called Boundary Functions, it was sent out to like so many people because his professor who was, you know, the mentor or whatever, when you do your thesis, was saying how it was the most, it was the best thesis he'd ever read. It was the most intellectual, he said. So he sent it out to like all over the world to the greatest mathematicians. And they all were like, this is incredible. Oh, so he was a fucking genius. So he should probably heed his fucking words about technology. I don't know, because I was listening to Tinfoil Hat the other day and they were like talking about they were basically analyzing the manifesto and talking about the parallels in modern day, how he was talking about how the government is going to use liberal views to try to mind control everybody. And I was like, holy fuck. Literally what's happening now. Except reversed. I would argue that it I, doesn't matter. <laughs> it's a bunch of people trying to control a bunch of other people. Yeah. It's manipulation. Power. Yes. But that was the Unabomber. That was wild. She's like, hell yeah. She's looking at me so intensely. She, she ain't looking at you. She's looking into the abyss. You're right. She's She she's actually is looking past me. Seeing the same shit yeah, old Unabomber scene right now. I think she's trying to look right at now. you. Yeah. I think she was trying to pay attention to you. <laughs> she, she looked That was so cute. Oh, my God. Shay. Shay. Hi. Hi, Shay. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> 
Yes, so that was the Unabomber. Make sure you like, comment, and subscribe. Am <laughs> I supposed to say that? Yeah. Follow cool. all of our s- follow all of our socials. Yes. Subscribe to our Patreon. Yeah. I was gonna make the SoundCloud like joke, and then I remembered that there's like a SoundCloud recording of all these, isn't there? Find our mixtape on SoundCloud. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and please actually subscribe to our Patreon because we're trying to put out merch. And it's it would hard be with no money. Yeah, <laughs> it would be great if we had patrons. And if you guys linked in. Yeah. What it. That's like a it's like a business. Thing. Yeah, so I know, but what does it have to do with nothing. what we were joke. talking about? <laughs> okay, well, thank you guys for yes, being really patient you. with us uh, recently. I'm trying really hard, but school yeah. is kicking my ass right now. We m- and I'm struggling, yeah. so I'm gonna do better. But thank you for being patient for now. <laughs> it's mostly my yeah. Fault. If we miss an episode, just bear with us. It's coming out the next day, more yeah. than likely. Jarrett. No, so don't blame Jarrett. Don't but blame anybody. It's okay. Because we've both had very busy few weeks. You're yeah. going to blame Harvard and electroshock therapy. That's fine. <laughs> but thank you for listening, and yes. we'll see you on Monday. Yes. See ya. Bye.